0: Good
1: afternoon and
2: welcome to Emgo Podcast. Welcome to Emgo Podcast 15.18. This one is not 4 hours. We're stretching for content a little bit because we can't talk about basketball for two segments or we will die! Welcome to an episode of the EMGO podcast that we project will not be four hours. Lies. I mean, it's not going to be four hours. I hope so. I don't know. If we die
3: during the basketball segment and then just leave it recording (laughs) and then somebody finds it and puts it out on the
2: feed, it could be... You You know know, how I know it's not going to be four hours is that we had really a a large amount of trouble coming up with a topic for segment four and we decided to do a gimmicky top five of just naming guys. (laughs) So that's the last segment and if you don't want to participate in that, you're welcome to just stop listening to the podcast. Just
3: remember, we used to do every basketball game had its own segment. That's why we don't have segments right now right and so we could do that and then no one would listen to be like, here's the rutgers segment <laughs> uh, here's, here's a segment on the other game that
4: they were up by 10 where nothing changed at all <laughs>
2: When it, anyway, speaking of exclusively the first halves of Michigan basketball games, thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at three store locations in Ann Arbor. Or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. Our associate sponsors are Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demeris, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, The Phil Klein Insurance Group, Winewood Organics, Human Element, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, Venue by Forum, where we recorded this, The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass and Autograph Fandom Rewarded, who just launched an app where you earn rewards for things like reading MGo Blog and listening to this podcast. All right. The main topic of conversation and consternation in the Michigan fan base currently is Sharon Moore filling out his staff. We have had a couple of moves announced. Kirk Campbell will be the offensive coordinator. Grant Newsom will be the offensive line coach. Steve Kazula has been brought in as the tight ends coach. Uh, and we're projecting that Bellamy sticks around and Mike Hart sticks around. Mike Hart, there have been some rumors about because he hasn't been present at certain events, but uh, Sam Webb said that that was sort of a personal matter that he was going through currently. So we're guessing that
4: Mike Hart's back. Not personal related to the program, but just like in his own life.
2: Yeah, just like he's got some stuff going on. And I don't want to speculate as to what that is, but that's we want to tamp down on speculation about Mike Hart's job prospects on the defensive side of the ball. It looks like Elston and Klingscale will be back, probably. Yeah,
3: I mean, there's there's still kind of an ongoing question whether um, Elston will go with Harbaugh. Harbaugh is kind of looking at other candidates too, but Elston is one of the guys he's fighting us for, I guess. And I I think Sam said that one of the reasons we went after Notre Dame's um, recruiting guy was because he pals with Elston. Mm. But Elston played at Michigan. You know, was a
2: he didn't just come here for Harbaugh, right? So, um. And then they've got a linebacker slot open and then the defensive coordinator slot open. Um, <clears throat> the uh, third Ravens guy is now the Ravens, D.C., so he's off the board. But it still looks like they're trying to get from the same, the same tree. And uh, web posted that Michigan is looking at Joe Cullen, who's currently the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line coach. Uh, Spent five years with the Ravens, has been an NFL coach for the past 20 years, and was sort of infamously um, nude in a drive-thru in a a Wendy's 18 years ago. (laughs) Had a couple of other DUI-type events, but has been clean and sober for 18 years. So I think when you're talking about bringing a guy like that to college, um, you have to Think about the recruiting implications.
4: Right. That's the only kind of... Right. When when Michigan keeps going to the NFL for stuff, that's good from a football perspective. But do these guys know-how and want to do the well and also just like his personal story i think at this point
2: is probably more uplifting than sad because he right cut it out because it was
4: tw- two decades ago Yeah, so yeah. the,
2: the statue of limitations on like oh we can't hire this guy in college i would say his past and so you have a very experienced defensive line coach in the nfl who is familiar with what the ravens are doing has been there for a, was there for a while seems like a reasonably good fit i do think that if they bring him in he's not going to be recruiting right Like, he's 56. He's been in the NFL for 20 years. Right. Like, he's not going to be going out to – he's not going to be hitting the pavement like um, a Bellamy would or just any kind of young up-and-coming coach.
4: I mean, is that a thing? Like, do you just have limited positions that just recruit and other ones sort of don't? Or do you – I mean, or does it just depend on the staff? We
3: decided after Harbaugh broomed his staff in 2020 that we could not have guys who don't recruit anymore. Well, I mean, I don't – I mean, who
2: did Minner recruit? I mean,
4: Minner was a college guy, though, and – Who did McDonald recruit? McDonald like, – Well, McDonald was <laughs> here for a year, and it was kind of clear. He's like, all right, I'm going to yeah. do some things, but, and then I'm going to go. But what yeah. I'm
2: saying is that I'm willing to carry uh-huh. a defensive coordinator who's not going to be on the recruiting trail, especially because, like, the rest of the staff is going to be Sharon Moore and Newsom and Hart and Bellamy.
4: They're all young. Clink scale. Clink scale. Guys that have been very proven recruiters. Right, and,
2: yeah, you know – elston and whoever the linebackers coach is, i bet is going to be kind of an up-and-comer as well there hasn't really been a name for the linebackers coach um and i don't think you don't think minner's dad's gonna stick around no it's clearly not gonna be minner's dad honestly
3: (laughs) i mean i would keep jim minner around if he wants to stay as an analyst
2: or something yeah but he's a he's retired like yeah I i think he was just doing his son a solid there sure sure um and they've elevated J.B. Brown from a special teams analyst to the special team's coach. I can't have an opinion about that. Like, Right. <laughs> I feel like Michigan's special teams have been very good for a, a long time. And if Michigan thinks that this guy has been a part of that, then... Unless he was the guy in charge for the Alabama game and only the Alabama game. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't <laughs> think that was the case. Um, so, Do we have takes on some of these guys? Well, there's no take to be had on
4: a guy who was elevated from an analyst, right? Well, I meant well, I mean what about like Campbell? That was the one that I was kind of thinking.
3: I figured Campbell was the most slam dunk of all of the the guys who were going to raise up cuz Campbell was already kind of an offensive coordinator. He was critical well, he to was, their
2: he was an offensive coordinator at uh, Old Dominion. Yeah. His first year they were awful and his first second year they were awful but greatly improved. So they went from like almost dead last in yards per play to like 94th. Okay. Which I mean, I don't know if that really means a whole lot. But also because, you know, Sharon was the offensive coordinator for a couple of years, I feel like it's probably going to be something along the lines of what Harbaugh was doing.
3: Yeah, well, I, that's, that's my point was when I said already offensive coordinator, I
2: meant here. <clears throat> I meant, oh, like
3: Sharon had a lot on this plate last year, including being the head coach four times. And Kirk Campbell had to step up and kind of fill that role. Um And Harbaugh always had a brain trust as an offensive coordinator. He was kind of his own offensive coordinator to a degree as well. So I'm sure Sharon was calling the plays and Kirk Campbell was was there with him. But Sharon was down on the field. Campbell was the guy in the box. Mm, Sure. And he was also critical to their quarterback recruiting. So, you know, Jaden Davis had to meet Kirk Campbell. Like, they're not going to lose that guy. So you know it, it that one made most sense to move up and grant newsom was like you know he's been an up and comer since he was since he was <laughs> since a he was playing yeah, yeah, since yeah i was about like to a, say yeah in the class of 2015 he's like the only guy that stuck around that class and well, he, you knew this guy was think, just special i think
2: the, like someone was recruiting him to like run for political office but he's like no i want to be
4: a football coach yeah well, one the kind of, one of those things you can do a little bit later in life as
2: well well and also like but like that's the kind of guy we're ta- dealing with here. he's like mike sainor still except an offensive lineman exactly and the other part the other position that has been mentioned as being pretty important is director of player personnel, which Michigan apparently had because right. there was a guy named Tom Gamble who was it. But when I was wondering if they had one, I looked it up and I was that was the first time I ran into that guy's name. I'm sure
3: some people – I'm sure people around the program knew the name better than we did.
2: <clears throat> right. But it wasn't very prominent, yeah. I don't think. And it feels like, you know, Sharon Moore is – Probably going to be a little bit more organized when it comes to recruiting. You know, with Harbaugh, it was like people were moving in and out and all over the place. Well, and (sighs) use the recruiting positions for things that we're not recruiting. Well, everybody does that. Everybody's sign stealer is some sort of analyst, right? Right. So, you know, it kind of feels like that will a a role that'll have more prominence. And Josh Henschke of Rivals.com has thrown out the name of Iowa State's director of player person, whose name escapes me right now. But just on the surface, that feels like a really good idea because Iowa State has been punching well above their weight in terms of the recruits they have access to and their performance on the field, and that also applies to the NFL draft. Like they've been sending guys to the draft when
4: they don't get touted recruits literally ever. So, yeah. Yeah. Brees Hall and <laughs> well, I mean David Montgomery, like they've, they've. Well, I mean Hall was a legit like four star, but like after that, well, yeah. It was. It, it's not a ton. Derek Hooger's is his name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So
2: that feels like something where you think you're probably going to be able to poach that guy from Iowa State because he, he. I think you know the guy who finds the hidden gems is going to be like, oh, now I can get the ones I want instead of.
4: Yeah, I mean, the only thing with guys like that is like you know Campbell's been there for a long time, and you, yeah. sometimes you roll with the guys who bring you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, pay increase that Michigan can offer will probably pretty meaningful
4: is that name. is that like the guy
2: or is he just in the pool of name he's the only guy that we've heard a name from okay yeah. um but in my opinion if they do get that guy i think that's a very good sign and
3: yeah i mean he's been with iowa state forever he was uh like came up through their program and like was a scouting guy he's from lincoln nebraska originally he's a midwest dude but i mean there's you pull his name up, and there's a whole bunch of quotes from him and different articles and stuff like that. Like Iowa State has been like, "This guy is a dude" hmm. for, quite for quite a while, a while. Yeah. and he's got like an assistant AD title because they've had to give him some bumps. So this is the next bump, unless they want to
2: give him a you know a coaching job or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but to me, that that's like if we're grading the hires so far, most of them are just kind of like, don't know. They're either incomplete <laughs> or they were like locked in from the start, like Kirk Campbell but i think getting Hoogers from iowa state would be a clear a yeah. and uh you know i'm not sure about cullen cuz uh you know he's an nfl guy he's been an nfl guy he's 56 so he's not likely to poach for a
4: head job so what what would be his motivation to come be a dc in college at 56 well, after he's never been, been a
2: NFL. D.C. he's always been a defensive line coach
4: so right but don't you think that he's had opportunities to go do something like that in college before I mean, when you're that age and you're that good, and you're and you've been, you know, coaching good NFL teams, not just like someone has to hire you. Someone probably came poking around. The
3: lanes until recent, until Michigan started really kind of going after the Ravens, and the the only reason Michigan was going into the Ravens is because
4: the head coach's brother was the head coach of the Ravens. (laughs) Because they were like, "Hey, train each other." (laughs) Yeah, just bouncing guys. Right, but look, usually there's not a lot of cross.
2: Clear, because look at where Mike McDonald is right now. Well, look at where Jesse Minter is right now. It's true, and. Look at the defensive roster Michigan is likely to bring back next year. You're going to get a good reputation pretty fast, I think.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so but then your goal is to move on, then. Not. I mean, to do he might this. be looking at Michigan as a stop so he
2: can be an NFL D s Yeah. And there's going to be this sort of train, but that's fine. Like it worked out with Minter and McDonald, and you know. Michigan is going to continue playing Ohio State at the end of the year, and they're going to continue having an NFL pass offense. So Michigan should continue having an NFL pass defense.
4: And in some sense, is it okay if it's not a complete rotating spot, but where what you're looking for is not the same dude, but doing the same things? That's kind of like what you're saying. Like if you bring in someone who's connected to the same kind of defense and they run in and, yeah, they have to tweak little things and you you mess around with this stuff, but it's basically like – Like, the difference between McDonald to Minter to a guy like this, if they're all connected to, quote-unquote, what the Ravens are doing, is not massive changes. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. I I think you want continuity because you just just had a generational defense. Yeah. Like, the second-best defense since 2000, according to SP+. And what they run is complicated. It's not like the
3: things that they're doing are like, okay – Come in, and now another cover one. Coach can come in and be like, oh, "Here's how you play cover one." Some of the terminology is different. Yeah, they do a lot of switching. They do a lot of poach. They do just they move guys all over the place, and the, the rush has to work with the uh, with the secondary. Right, the whole thing works in concert. So you're taking the, the quarterback's attention from one spot, to, so he doesn't see what you're doing over here. And then when he look, and the idea is that you take him away from his first read until he just like I. I don't know what's going on out there. Right. And in order to run that, you can't have somebody who just has not taught it before. Right. Um, you because you have another generation who's got to learn it. And we're not just talking about <laughs> the guys next year. I think next year you got Rod Moore back there coaching it. You got
2: Macari Page. Like, I mean, my one concern with him is he has been a defensive line coach forever. So does he know them? And personally, Brent, like and... I would like a guy who has been focused on the back seven. Yeah. Like because what is this defense best at? disguising coverages yeah yeah and so <clears throat> that's my one concern but you know if i know that sharon is probably talking to john harbaugh uh-huh about guys and i'm sure john harbaugh is not suddenly anti-michigan right <laughs> just because jim left right like so yeah. i feel
4: like because i don't think jim will be and that's the other thing is now you have to think that within a year or two you might have two organizations with which you can pull guys
2: sure yeah i i i think um but you know, John is sort of uniquely situated because he's been the Ravens head coach for forever, so he he
4: can just kind <laughs> of so do he, what he wants because his well also job he, security. He has
2: he has like a, a, a system, a process, a network. Yeah, that Harbaugh is not going to have because <clears throat> he's going to have guys, but he's Jim Harbaugh. He's not John. John is sort of uniquely situated as like a long term NFL coach with particular philosophy that continues to function very well in the toughest football league in America. Um, <clears throat> And he is that organization and to – I don't think Jim Harbaugh is ever going to be that just because like how long is he going to be with the Chargers?
4: Well, I mean that I, – I didn't mean I, – I know what you're saying. I just meant that when Jim sees guys that he's looking to move around or try out, he might. Sure. Send him to his buddy Sharon and say, hey, I think this guy might work in one of these spots, and I wouldn't mind a testing ground. I mean, there's actually three
3: now because Mike McDonald's got his own NFL franchise as well. I mean, Mike McDonald wasn't like, isn't like a. Is Michigan he a Michigan guy? No, but I'm He's saying we're going to. Com- now there are three uh, teams that are competing for guys from the Ravens tree who want to teach the same defense. Yeah. And, you know, we just saw, like, I. When we lost Minter, I was like, there is another Skywalker because Zachary Orr was there. And yeah. people were like, oh, he doesn't, He might not have the, the, the ability to coach the defense. And then the Ravens are like, make him their DC. <laughs> yeah. i like, well, so it's
2: like, <laughs> no, it I, turns out. I was, I was super into him because he was like a UDFA from North Texas and he was an all pro linebacker. Yeah, how hard is that to do? And then he he had to retire three years into his career because he had a spine thing. Yeah, and then immediately he became a coach, and he was the, just the track was like this guy is going to be.
3: Yeah, it's probably yeah. why the Ravens thought so.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah,
3: I mean, and that's what I'm saying. There's going to if Mike McDonald doesn't move on, the Ravens don't have a DC opening, and Michigan can get or. Yeah, right. So mm. the fast tracking has <clears throat> hurt Michigan in that we can't hold on to guys because we're now feeding three nfl franchises possibly if guys come to us but you can also i'm sure he's not just talking to john harbaugh he's talking to minter himself I mean, like hey who else came up with you guys who else did you respect who else yeah. knew the system and you know they there are circles within coaching of like they go to the they go to trainings together they mm-hmm. talk to each other about things they share playbooks they yeah. like share and they, plays on twitter with each other the other
2: thing is that like the linebackers coach the only guys that we've heard about are like the default this guy went to michigan is now a coach named like Cato and roy manning and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i think it's likely that whoever the defensive coordinator is is going to want to hire like at least one of his guys yeah so i would i would think that the reason that you don't really hear any names there is because they're going to get a defensive coordinator first and then they're going to ask him
3: right as long as the guy that he wants to bring along is a recruiter yeah because yeah. you
2: can't have two spots no uh and that's you know I think that's about it. That's the state of play. Right?
3: Well, strength, the, strength conditioning.
2: Uh, well, I mean they just they promoted Herbert's right hand man, which I think is the obvious move, right? Because yeah. Ben Herbert probably doesn't hire fools, and they kept Abigail O'Connor, who's the nutritionist, and I, I think that you know you have a good culture, you have a good setup. I'm sure that the uh, the players are they like Justin trust as well. So yeah,
3: I mean as far as the losses that we took, you know I. Personally, like, I, you know, obviously, Jim Harbaugh is the biggest loss. You can't argue it. But, you know, in just a minute, we figured we were going to lose him. Uh, Jay, I figured he was going to go with his dad. Mm. I, As far as, like, the value that Jim's going to get by having a strength conditioning coach in the NFL versus the value that we would get out of him yeah. in recruiting as well. And just the – what's this program done to make up for the fact that they can't play the same recruiting games as the teams that they're going against? Yeah. Well, they develop guys. And – even if it was you know, him and his staff that were doing it in reality, it's, it's good to have the story. It's good to
2: have the name. Well, you know, I feel like there's a non-zero chance that Herbert's like, I'm not doing it. He says, oh, I'm going back to college. And in that case, yeah. Michigan is going to be like, I will pay you. Yes. And you can come back. Hopefully. So. Hopefully. But that's the state of play in terms of the coaching. Uh, and now we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about basketball and hockey. So sorry about the first one. Want the perfect game
3: day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing at one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at
2: undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy to use site, no more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com.
5: Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform, and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and Emgo blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash today.
6: Hey fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at RealtorAndLender.com. That's RealtorAndLender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender.
0: Brother, could we lay down our lives for one another if we ever needed to? Brother, in the game Life, we need to fight it together As if we got everything to lose When
1: it's do or die They say, hey, what does that mean? Anyway, hey, hey. We're on the 40-yard line On the fourth quarter drive Looking up at the clock Ain't got no
0: time Not to hit you over the time Running down the sideline But they pretty well got you covered up shotgun. Need a couple plays, but we
2: hey folks I, I took I took the kids Denard Robinson cook to to venue for his birthday and I was admonished because I didn't tell them it was his birthday and so I didn't get a free dessert. so apparently that's a thing here. I didn't know that, you know. They don't say it. I mean, I guess it's kind of standard practice, but I I feel awkward about, you know, taking food out of Chef Dad's mouth because, well, money out of his pocket. That's what I mean. (laughs) Because, you know, he's a good dude, and he's, like, very good at doing cooking stuff, and I want his venture to succeed. So please come to Venue where your children will have chicken nuggets.
4: All right. Basketball. We're doing Uh, basketball first. All right. Hockey. (laughs) All right. fine.
2: Hockey swept Ohio State this weekend. Uh, Ohio State has an awful awful record uh in the Big 10, but they have an actually a very good non-conference record. They're about 30th in pairwise,
4: That's, which is usually what the bottom team in the Big 10 is.
2: Yeah, and so they're but they're not a pushover. They still have talent.
4: Like and well, they have some.
2: The some I mean I know. mean
4: the
3: Saturday game felt like one of those horrible Michigan Saturday games where like they are by far the better team and then they blow it in the third. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, yeah. they, I thought they played pretty well in the first—on Saturday, I thought they played pretty well in the first. They just took three penalties. And, like, most yeah. of the shots that Ohio State got in the first period were on the power play. They weren't generating much five-on-five. Five. No. And the second period, I thought Michigan was on the verge of going up three, four, five-nothing about a handful of times. And and it was they like just their snipers right in front of them, just like, oh, puck goes right to Rucker Gordy. Like, this is going to be a goal. <laughs> right. Their top two lines, I thought, generated a ton of pretty good chances. And then— The biggest thing to me was after they give up the goal, which was a good shot, and Ernest, he tried to go down and block it, and the guy picked a corner. One guy scored for Ohio State on the whole weekend, by the way. Like, that's it. One dude. Um, But they bounced right back, and they scored two goals in 15 seconds on – you know, Naser makes one of the plays of his career, just getting deep and then spinning around the net and firing a pass right to Rutger in the slot. And, like, it's not – as much the play on the ice in that sense but it's the like holding on mentally because that's what it just seemed like especially on the in the friday game like it it did feel like they had
2: sort of a mental block where it's just like we're not gonna be aggressive in this game we're, we're gonna just see it out and they like the shots in that game were kind of lopsided in Ohio state's yeah entirely because
4: of the third period but they weren't like super dangerous shots well, it was just more like, all right, take a shot from there. Our goalie can see it; he's going to stop it.
2: That's fine. What, what, I mean, what I'm asserting is that you know they gave up their usual possession style of play, right? To
4: which play defensively isn't bad. Well, they, they won a one-goal game, which which they hadn't done all year, yeah. basically. And then more or less, I mean, they didn't win a one-goal game on Saturday, but it got to that point and then like stretched the lead. So I yeah. think both of those outcomes are good.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it didn't feel like that on Saturday, right? It didn't feel like they were going into a shell because they didn't want what has happened all year to happen again. Right. So, like, I I understand that, you know, a lot of the frustration about this year is literally what's happened in the last five minutes of games where Michigan has a lead. But if you want to be a really good team, I feel like you can't do what you did on Friday.
4: Uh, I think that there are times for you have to win some games like that, and then you have to win games where you stay aggressive. It, it sort of depends. One of the things I would uh, – I'm interested in it's tougher to see cuz Friday was on BTN minus was that <laughs> you have the ice that just looked very Garbage. Probably not slushy, but, like, it did not seem like skating, passing skill was at a premium for either particular team. Mm-hmm. And I thought Michigan specifically struggled with that on Friday. Saturday, I mean, you, I I think we had, like, nine odd-man rushes between the teams combined. So the skating was a little more open. In Michigan, you could see them getting from the defensive zone to the offensive zone quicker and more often and creating chances. So I think the ice was a little bit better. So in that to, – to your point, you're not going to try to stay aggressive – on a slush pond, mm. because things can go sideways, like you. Whereas Saturday, you know, I think there was a little bit of, "Hey, we're like on the doorstep here. Like, kick it back into gear, get one, get two, and it's a ball game."
2: Yeah, and so Michigan State is coming up next weekend. Michigan kicked Michigan State's ass for ninety minutes in the previous series, and then fell apart in a way that was very Michigan basketball. No, I mean it's <laughs> been this hockey team. Like yeah, they yeah. play great hockey. For large periods of time and then just things go sideways very quickly, um, usually towards the end of the game. It was a little bit earlier in the state game. They have an opportunity here to really solidify an NCAA tournament because Michigan State is seventh, I think. They're top. They're a two seed, I think.
4: And they're in control of the big ten. Uh it's them in Wisconsin. You know, I was looking you know, Craig and I were Um, talking about some things after the game last night and we were looking at numbers and the thing that's funny is that, um, you know, if they'd have held on to that lead on that Saturday night against Michigan State, Mm -hmm. they'd only be nine points back of state with two games playing them and two games in hand. So they could, they could have like, that's why we were like, man, that's so frustrating because otherwise you'd look at that and you'd say, man, we come out, kick their butts again and you're like, "Uh, we could pass them in the standings and they're probably going to finish highest of third in the Big Ten. There's, you know, non-zero chances that Wisconsin or Michigan State doesn't finish the season strongly, and Michigan does, and they could catch one or them. But um, it would take a lot, I think. Yeah. yeah.
2: But just in terms They of can't those, really
4: lose anymore. <laughs> no, but so just in terms of
2: like goal in, entering the season was like make the tournament, see what happens pretty much because um, you didn't really – I mean Shifsky has been a, a pleasant surprise, but other than him, you didn't really have a whole
4: lot of impact players coming in. No, Moldenauer's I think has come on in the second half. Yeah. He started to score some goals. That third line between Moldenauer and Ernesty, and they've rotated either a stopper and draper. And both of those guys have their pluses. And you know, we were talking a little bit in prep and you know, we Alex and I've talked now for a week or two about a stop and draper that you know they're not probably going to be top six guys. But they're playable, and Draper last year did not look playable. This year, you put—he's on the penalty kill. He's playing. He played third line this week. He and looks they, like his dad. Honestly, <laughs> he's fast. He's got stone
3: hands, and he's like, well, he—you know—good on the penalty kill. Like that's—that was Chris.
4: <laughs> he, um, I think he knows what he's doing. He's just not like a great player, and he's found a way to like carve out a niche, especially <laughs> on a team that has like thirteen forwards left, like. Pretty much everybody's got to contribute.
2: Yeah. So that's been the other thing about the season that's been very frustrating
4: is that, you know, they've been injured. And I think having an Ethan Edwards back is just massive for them. Yes. Yeah. And especially from the – I think it moves their defensive ceiling. It's it, can, it allows them to split up Warren and Truscott, which I think, uh, as we saw, did not go super well for the first half of the year.
2: Well, and so you then you have what you want is you want a defensively-minded defenseman an offensively minded and an offensively-minded And a puck rusher, yeah. yeah. So Edwards and uh, Casey can be on the ice for most of the game, mm-hmm. so you always have a very capable puck handler back on defense.
4: And it looks like Luca is beating out Steve Holtz because if you look at this weekend, now I don't have like the time on ice stuff right now, um, but I only noticed Steve Holtz playing in the second period of the Friday game. He could have been out there at other times. Yeah, I didn't really see, but much it was. Camp. The only time that I even asked the room is has anyone seen Holtz? And they're like, Oh, he's there and it was the second period of the Friday game. And other than that, I didn't really was, see him. That was the
3: same in the Wisconsin series too, where like you saw, you know, plenty of Luca and then Holtz came out for like maybe three minutes Gave up a
2: turnover in his zone yeah. and and then was off the ice again. Well, and Luka, is, he's not Seamus Casey, but you know he is a puck mover in yes. a way that Holtz is not.
4: And he made a few nice defensive plays. And I think that's what you're looking for. Is this guy doesn't have to be a shutdown guy and he doesn't have to be all-world offensively. But he's got to be able to play be playable on the third pair. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we're trending in that direction. So you start to do that and then you get the depth. And like, Barchewski had a great weekend. And... And, you know, I think the key again with him is like if you guys play good around him and not perfect defense, but good defense, he cleans up everything else. It's well, just I mean, when you're like, "Hey, bail us out," because we're throwing the puck to anyone. It's that's not who he is. Well, he had one monster. Yes, save. the blocker save mm-hmm. on, on Saturday. Yes, probably is maybe best of the
2: year, or, or right in there. Yeah, but he, yeah, he's not Portillo when it comes to being like a first shot stopping guy. He's just not. He doesn't have or the, size. the athleticism yeah.
4: and that sort of thing, right?
2: But he's good and solid and has given up a goal from behind the blue line. Um, <laughs> well, and You're such a hater. <laughs>
3: the, the puck doesn't bounce off of him like it used to. Like the, yeah. it, I mean,
2: yeah. Um, was obviously very good in some aspects, but very frustrating. And I think Barcheski is just less explodes in all directions.
4: Barcheski you know? has a much higher floor and a lower ceiling. Yeah, that's but true. he does require a different style of play around him. And when Michigan can be more defensively sound... Then I think that their ceiling goes through the roof because they're clearly – the top line is awesome. And their second line I think fits together well and still generates chances. And now you're starting to see Moldenauer and ernest pop a little bit. And if Draper or Estapa can hold down that 3C spot and stay at least semi-threatening in the offensive end. And you got three lines and – Well. I think and just really hard to play against. And then you can rotate the pairs, and they and they can get stuff from Edwards. We saw last night he scores a goal because he jumps in, gets the first goal of the game, and then sets up – I think it was Dylan Duke or – no, it was Chase Pletsky where he got below the goal line and dished it up, and Pletsky hit the post. And you're just kind of like, man, if, you, if we got two guys on different pairs that do that, and then you can pair them with <sighs> defensive – or the, the lines that maybe don't have the Brindleys on them, I mean, it's – it's just going to be really hard to deal with for most college teams.
2: Well, and I, I like that the, the Lions kind of seem to know who they are. Yes. So there was a, a play on Saturday where Ernest, rushing the puck up and he's like, I'm just flipping this in and he goes and he wins the board battle and then Michigan has possession of the offensive zone as opposed to, you know, the Nazar line. No, nobody's ever dumping that puck <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, in You do that
4: and you're like, what are you doing?
2: Right. But yeah. they, have, they have the big, big boys on, on the third line and I feel like that's an effective uh, line because of that. And they haven't been producing a ton, but, you know, Ernestine gets a goal, two goals on Saturday. I mean, he's up
4: to seven and Moldenhauer's at seven. I mean, there's a pretty good chance that both those guys push 10 by the end of the year. And if you got two guys in your third line, they have yeah. double-digit goals. Like, and so it,
2: it does feel like they are improving
4: more quickly than other teams because they tend to be younger. The, speaking of improving, the thing that we really have to shout out because it's been great has been the penalty kill because... They were awful in the first half. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the Stonehill series, they give up some, and you are kind of wonder, where's the motivation? And is the game even in hand? And all that kind of stuff. But against Michigan State, they gave up one power play goal and I can't remember how many, probably five, eight chances. And it was a deflected goal. And you're kind of like, well... And then the same thing in the Wisconsin. It's a double deflected goal in the Wisconsin series. And then this weekend, they go seven for seven. And there was one or two where you're like, "Uh, they couldn't clear the zone, got a little lucky on some whiffs. But... I mean, that's going to happen too. And so two power play goals in the last six games when you've just – that's how you've been losing games. We talked about defenses on turnovers. They've lost games that way. The other way is they take take penalties and they give up power play goals and they just can't outscore it.
2: And this time Michigan was on the other side of the questionable five-minute
4: majors. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean they both kind of came – I don't even think I like. It was, It was already four-one halfway through the third when they came. Yeah, but and they and it, they both of them kind of particularly like ended the, the, s- the game. Second was like the Magrardi one,
2: yeah, or the Duke one. No, the the one on Duke where he gets cross-checked in the, the back. The initial contact is to the back, and then yeah. it kind of slides, slides up, up to, to his the head. head. And I'm just like, they, that would not be a targeting call in football. Right. Because they, they want to see forcible contact. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is the problem with the rule in hockey is any contact, even if it's glancing or not particularly hard, that's five minutes and you're gone. And I just feel like it's impossible to play hockey. And like, I thought that was a two minute penalty.
4: Yeah. I mean, it was cross check. Yeah. But. And then it slid up and hit him yeah. in the head. And, and he, I mean, he got up relatively quickly after that. The, it, to me, that just sort of felt like Michigan hasn't had an actual power play. Like, their only power play was, like, a minute. And it came right. during a, an Ohio State power play. So, I like, mean, they had one minute. And then they didn't call a penalty for the second period. They didn't call a penalty for the first half of the third. And so, at least on Ohio State. So then you're kind of like, well, we've got to give them one. And I then. guess.
2: But I feel like, I mean, it's remarkable that Michigan is this dangerous offensively and they have this offensive zone structure which is really impressive. Yes. And they never go on the power play. It well they like,
4: score at like a thirty seven percent. I flip. know,
2: but so the I mean it just feels like, you know, there, there are moments where I'm like, that's a penalty, but like there was a trip on Nazar that I'm just like, mm-hmm. that's got you have to call that, especially because you've called one penalty on Ohio State the whole game and they just let it go. And I just feel like I mean that's just like Michigan's penalty disparity is partially because they do take a lot of penalties, but I just it it's kind of baffling to me. Like I I haven't looked this up, but it feels like their like ratio of like shots to penalties is probably pretty bad, and that doesn't make sense because it's not like they're only staying in you know the non-dangerous zones of the ice.
3: I just don't know how to prove that without being like, "Oh, okay, here's all the I, I the feel, refs have a
2: conspiracy I against feel, us." I feel very Craig about this. Yeah, <laughs> like not not the calls that go against Michigan, but the calls that Michigan doesn't get just feel very frustrated.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think at some point. You're not going to just call infinite penalties on a team, and so and you could, and, and so the approach then becomes well, I mean, this well is we like, have to be selective. You
2: know, halfway through the Saturday game, most most nights is like, okay, Michigan is going on second power play of the weekend, and I'm just like, how is that possible? Uh, I, I want to come back to the offensive zone structure, yes, because especially when the Naysar line is out there, they feel incredibly dangerous in ways that I don't feel many. College hockey teams have I don't think anyone has well, I mean, Maybe that line at BC I just mean like um, In terms of like You know A lot of danger in hockey Comes off the rush And then you get into Kind of an offensive zone and it's like Well We're going to cycle it In the corner And you know Hope something happens And nothing really does But
4: Michigan feels Dangerous well, they also have defensemen who can move the puck. Especially when Casey is out there. When, when the Casey-Duke pairing is out there. But even like the Edwards and Truscott and and even Warren, because these guys have been around so they know what they're doing. They don't maybe always move the puck the best, a couple of those guys. But they're not clueless as to what they should be doing. So they can at least put themselves in the right spot. And you're right. Like the structure that they have in the zone, it's a little bit like those beneers KJ shifts where we called them forever shifts because they would just keep cycling it around, moving the puck. And then after time, one guy would skate off and then another guy would come on from another line and they do whole line changes just with the puck in the zone. And that's kind of what they're capable of doing beyond, I mean, the structure, the skill, and then like just the wherewithal to know what to do.
2: Well, I remember the most dangerous zone team I think I've ever seen was the Jordan Leopold Minnesota team.
4: And <laughs> That's a, it's going back a ways. Well, I mean,
2: but Leopold won the Heisman, not the Heisman, the, the, Hobie. the, Hobie, the Hobie that year. Yeah. Because yeah. he had an insane number of points, and you didn't know who the defensemen were yeah. on that Minnesota team. Like, if you were just looking at the process of play, like, it wasn't like two guys were back at the point. They were right. constantly rotating back and forth, positionless. Yeah. And I feel like Michigan isn't there because they only have, like, two of these guys, but I think Edwards and Casey. Like, if you were just to watch the play, you wouldn't know that they were defensemen, necessarily, when we're talking about the offensive zone.
3: Well, they're – I mean, they they have that entry where they drop it back to a defender. They get to the line. They get the,
4: they get the, the trap. The, sli- the slingshot to the, the power play. The
3: slingshot to the power play. Yeah. And, I mean, that's so effective because you see Casey coming with uh, with speed. If that's – you know Steve Holtz, no one's worried about it right but like the way that he's coming in you're like oh god he's going to take me off my skates if i well try they to make start a with him. him i mean the avs do that with
4: McCarr and mckinnon
3: yeah. where it's a
2: very common thing though.
3: yes it is i'm saying the effectiveness of it for michigan sets everything else up because you're so worried about it. the only thing you can do is drop yep you can't
4: you cannot try to play the puck on that but those that's guys. why i mean why speed does kill and like yeah. you have guys and that's why i think in a lot of ways, hockey has trended towards skilled, speedy defensemen. So everybody's pretty encouraged
2: about the level of play the last three weeks, right? Because they yeah, I mean, went toe-to-toe with Wisconsin. They really beat the breaks off Michigan State except for that one period. They take care of business against Ohio State. So it kind of feels like maybe they're turning a corner here.
4: Well, if you look historically, you, you see really talented teams sort of struggle in the first half a little bit. Yeah. And then... After the World Juniors, they set they get their guys back who probably played together at the World Juniors, which that's four guys from Michigan, all had good World Juniors. And then they kind of start to click in the second half. I mean, how many North Dakota teams or did you used to look at in the first half of the se- season and be like, oh, they're not very good this year. And then second half, they won like eight games in a row. And you're like, uh-oh. And that sort of feels like Michigan. I think it's all in front of them. We've seen every Big Ten team now. Michigan looks like they can at least hold their own, if not be better than all of them. So you can go into every game thinking, we could, should win this game. They probably won't because it's hockey. But then you get into the tournament, even if you have a little mini Big Ten tournament run like they've had the last couple of years, you know, you're know you staring down a two seed. And you know there's a couple teams probably out in Boston that you know could go toe-to-toe from a skill standpoint. But other than that, you're like, hey, you guys stay disciplined in the back. Don't take too many penalties. Goalie's going to sweep everything up and see who can score with us. I mean, they have the best goal differential in the Big Ten by a big margin. And Big Ten is, a bit, is key there because, like, they have – they had four games, two series, that, like, Alex and I, when we go through this, have to be like, okay. Yeah, these Lin- guys yeah. have insane numbers, <laughs> yeah. but, like, we Linden- have Wood to, like.
2: Stonehill just don't. You
3: yeah, have yeah. to. Okay, so take out Stonehill, but everyone's got one series like that. No, they have f- like four that.
4: games like that because they played Lindenwood, too. Okay. So they, yes, and I think that they scored close to 19 games in both, or 19 goals in both series. So you're talking about 38 goals yeah. that are, like. Well, right. But what I started with in the Big Ten, right? They have the best goal
2: differential by quite a, long, yeah, by a been, big margin. Like, they they've they haven't gotten the results right. that mm-hmm. their play has suggested they are they deserve. And part of that is like, yeah, they they have been leaky in the back. But part of it is just like you know they're scoring, set, you know, they're scoring Michigan State seven to one one night. Yep. And I think that going forward. When you look at a hockey team, it's more accurate to look at their goal differential than their actual record. And I feel like Michigan is well positioned to kind of hit the gas down the road, down the stretch, maybe get up to a two seed, and then be a team that you just don't want to see in the tournament.
3: I mean, Michigan State, they get them at home, and then— Well, duel, one at home, one and, at And jump. then State loses their home game, Duel in the D, which traditionally ends up being most Michigan fans. So you— uh,
2: This year, I think—I mean, this is the first year Michigan State's been actually good at hockey. Jesus.
4: <laughs> when? <laughs> Since maybe Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the abdicator here? Like, I guess. They were I only in the three-seed. I mean, the, They made the tournament. They were good, like, in the—well, oh, they were— they weren't really I good mean, in the I... late aughts, were they? No, what's the last time they were even on the bubble? Like, I think it was last year, but... Oh, they got... Didn't they win the Big Ten in, like, 2015 or something one well, okay, year? Okay, but it's been, like, almost 10 years. My so point yeah. is, I my think... brother and
3: his friends, when they're going to... If they have a choice between watching their mediocre basketball team or watching their hockey team, they're watching their mediocre basketball team right now. They don't have
4: the... Michigan hockey fans in Detroit show up. So, now, every one of those games, the Friday, Michigan. the Saturday game at Yost that Michigan collapsed in state one, state brought a ton of people that stood in the, in the back rows and you could hear them. They were pretty loud. So, my guess is that they will go to it'll be a lot closer to 50 50. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, like,
2: back in the day in the Ron Mason era, those games were very, they were packed and they were yeah. very close in terms yep. of, those are fun. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't been to one in a while, because it's like, why would I go to Detroit to watch Michigan beat up on
4: Michigan State? So they, yeah, so they have the home in Joe, as they used to call it with mm-hmm. this weekend. They go to Penn State, they get Notre Dame at home, and they go to Minnesota. And those are, I mean, I think that Minnesota is probably coming along, but, you know, they need, to, they need to take care of business this weekend. It's going to be, I think they match up well with State. Yeah. I think State has players, but, They are a worse version of Michigan, and they don't play nearly enough defense, and and we saw that in the first two games. And then they go to Penn State, who William Soulier had a great year last year, not so much this year. They don't play a lot of defense either. Michigan has struggled at times in that building, but I think that they should be able to score their way out of that one. And so you look at the next two series, and you're like, "These these are right there for the taking if they want them. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to talk about
2: basketball. Goodbye, all readers, listeners, whatever.
5: Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is, but you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwmcom mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with Peak Confidence.
4: Mason Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today.
0: Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. Now that the temperatures are dropping in Michigan, you can count on our vast network of service technicians to keep your heating system up and running. We offer 24/7
4: emergency service
0: and have advanced scouting on all makes and models. So if you find yourself without heat or hot water or want a free estimate on a new system, Call or text us at 734-238-3698 or book an appointment at Sharon'sHeating.com.
3: I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor. Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248-924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com.
2: Thanks to some people aren't here. It's okay. <laughs> Seth, Randy, I need takes hotter than Rutgers basketball with five minutes left in a basketball game against the Wolverines.
3: <laughs> I-, I thought you didn't watch <laughs> that thing. Uh, well, I heard about it. Okay. He
0: heard about it. He heard about it.
3: Well, they were pretty hot. They were pretty hot. Yeah.
0: Seth, give me your hottest take. <laughs>
3: right, I got to give Patrick Barron credit for this one, but... Juwan Howard heard us Saved, just beat Ohio State and took
0: us literally. <laughs> <laughs> he just beat Ohio State. He just beat Ohio- JBOS. Ah. Oh, man. I mean, that was I mean, it. Five points in the season. <laughs> I mean, it is nice they did that. <laughs> It was really nice, and the more games we lose, the, wor- the worse that loss looks for Ohio State. If yeah. that if that loss can keep them out of the tournament, then we've done our job on some level.
2: I mean, at, at least at least th- we have solace in the fact that, like, Ohio State is also very bad. Michigan mm-hmm. State is no good. Like, they might lose mm-hmm. their tourney streak. Yeah. They're 14-8, yeah. but, you know. It's true. It's true.
3: I, I don't think they're going to lose their tourney streak, but we could have taken it from... No.
2: But you know, they're you know they're not that happy with their season either. So
3: I, I got to be honest, the worst part of the season for me so far was you know how like student sections get chicken wings or something if uh, if if someone misses two free throws, right, so, right, and, and so of course they start following Terrace Reed at the end so they could get their chicken wings, and he get they get on missing the front end and then making the second yeah. one, and then yeah. and then Reed missed them both like near the end of the game. I'm like, we can't even do this.
0: I know. We can't even. Ah! Right.
1: Well,
2: what are you going to do? Randy, give me your hottest steak.
0: This is so hot. I'm going to tell you guys in advance, please, like, put something between the microphone and the heat in your heads. But Michigan is going to make the tournament this year.
2: (laughs) The hockey tournament?
0: No, the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Hear me out. Ju- Juwan Howard is playing the longest con ever. Okay. That is the only way I can explain how terribly we have played in the second half of these games is that he is like, we're not going to make it on our record. We're going to do play so terribly that everyone in the Big Ten tournament does not take us seriously. And then in the tournament, we're going to do all the things we didn't do in the regular season, and we're going to win the Big Ten tournament and punch our ticket that way.
2: That is the hottest take I could ever think of. I think that might be the hottest take we've had in the history of this segment. Yes,
0: I uh, mean, if I, it happens, though, I, I don't know what I'll do. What What can we do <laughs> if, if, if that happens? I may be king of the hot takes. Oh my god! If, I mean, we, if, we if, we if that did. happens, you
2: you have to Costanza oh. it. You have to be like, I'm never giving a hot take again.
0: Ever. That's it. i got to retire my tongue. i got to hang my tongue in the rafters. I mean, so anyway, I have Jason's hot take too. If you want me to pretend to be Jason, I can do that too. Yes.
2: Jason, give me your hottest take.
0: Okay, hang on. I'm going to do my best Jason voice here. Michigan should lobby the NCAA to make each half only 10 minutes long. <laughs> we might win those game. I mean, think about it. Play a good first ten minutes and then just ten minutes of the second half, it's over. You win. We'd win so many more games I, that I, way.
3: I got bad news for you, Randy, pretending to be Jason. Yeah. They they can fall apart in ten minutes just as easy as they can in twenty minutes. As soon as it says second half, they're like Yeah, you're right. Eh. You're right. Yeah. Here you're we right. go. You're All right. <sighs> Here's mine. <clears throat> okay, here we
2: go. <laughs> Michigan hockeys winning the tournament this year oh my god I mean it just got impossible it. it just they're gonna get it they're they're gonna get it they're probably gonna get it but they've been playing very very well and they just had this one thing that is holding them up and that's the fact that they have these like brain meltdowns that last like for five minutes and that's it
3: and that's and not gonna happen them. in the tourney
2: well I I mean I'm just saying like is they have one very small issue that if they fix it, they've they've been playing out of their mind for – I mean, they went toe-to-toe with Wisconsin. They basically ran Michigan State out of the building except for one of these five-minute periods. And they just thoroughly outplayed Ohio State. They are improving faster than just about everybody in the country because they're younger than just about everybody in the country. We've seen Michigan teams do this over the course of, you know, the Mel era. The, right the, the Barron's era where they have kind of a scuffle in the first half of the season. And then they hit their stride in the second half. And you've got a top line that's playing out of its mind. You have good support scoring. And I think Ethan Edwards is really going to make a difference. We've already talked about this on the hockey segment, but yeah. it just feels like they're close. I don't actually expect them to win a national championship this year. No, but.
0: I mean, when we go in expecting them to win, always some weird thing happens. Like, as you guys have described on the podcast, that like some weird, you just don't get the puck luck. You don't get the puck luck. Something bounces weird and you're in a tie game and then you just give up a weird goal and that's the end of it. Why can't that go our way? You never know. Like, just getting into the tournament, like, all the luck may go our way at that point. I mean, they're playing Notre Dame and Penn State and then I think they play... Minnesota at the end, if they can sweep Notre Dame and sweep Penn State, I don't know if that's possible. Split with Minnesota, maybe. Uh, well,
2: uh, I mean, they have Michigan State this weekend, and that's like, if they that's can, like, take a win and a tie from that series, you're looking yeah. pretty good towards making the tournament. And yeah. given what we saw from the first series, you'd hope that they would be able to they would be able to continue that rate of play. Yeah. Where are those ga- where are those games being played? Uh, one's at home and one's at, in Detroit. So, okay advantage yeah. from Michigan there. And you know, the NCAA tournament is just like a chip in a chair kind of situation, right? Like if you're in, you got just about as good a shot as anyone. And Michigan has uh, probably not as much talent as like the Boston teams and probably North Dakota this year. But other than that, like they're not too far away. So right. I we'll, what I like about
3: it. this take is that this is the most, you know, to win the NCAA championship, you just have to be ran, you know, it's random once you get in the tournament. And this would be the most random team to win it, right? They're not uh, the worst right. team. They're not like the team that just like came back at the end and made it to the tournament, right? Like they, they, they are just this team that's all that the randomness has been mm-hmm. off the charts this season.
0: Let's so, play into the randomness of hockey. Yeah. Let's just play into the randomness of. Let's be Team Random this year. So, let's go to Allentown for a regional. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Probability all right, uh, hey, drive. Finds us in Allentown for all four games somehow.
2: If you can't get enough Scars, hit up. The Scars are coming to Detroit. Mark Ridley's
0: Comedy Castle, the 29th of February, the 1st of March, and the 2nd of March, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'd love to see all the awesome MGO bloggers there come out, say hi to us. Give us your hottest takes afterwards. We'd love that. <laughs> and uh, thank you, guys.
2: Thank you. Yep, Hit up supersklaris.com for more information. All right, the basketball team. So we're on to the fourth segment. Is that what you just said? No. Oh. Basketball team uh, was up 15 with about 17 minutes left in the Rutgers game. Uh, Rutgers goes on a 37 to 12 run to <sighs> end that game, largely based on offensive rebounding and sort of Rutgersing the ball into the basket in ways that. I mean, this is to to lose to a team when you're up 15 in the second half is one thing. To lose to one of the worst offensive teams in major college basketball like that.
3: Oh, and they're, were, take, were they're taking. Were you guys believing?
4: <laughs> no, I <laughs> want you answer the question. I mean,
3: I mean, believing what that we could beat Rutgers? No, yes. not
4: that that we could beat Rutgers. That they were going to in the second half when they're up by 15. I yeah, mean, of course I was. Anyway, I. I
3: My column
4: before, I put a column in front of the
3: preview for this game saying, like, hey, you know, that 2020 Rutgers football game didn't mean anything, but we didn't know it, and it's good to root for your team. And I was wrong. I apologized to everybody who went to that game because Seth said, hey, go root for your team because these are our guys. Except, you know, Terrence Williams played his heart out, and Doug played his heart out, and... And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody doesn't check Moat Mog at the no. – th-
4: and then he gets an offensive rebound and they turn it over a few times. All right. We don't – like we it, don't need to it talk about – It feels like this game is like every other game. So we're talking about any yeah, game Yeah, talking individual. about any specifics.
2: We're going to talk about sort of the, the grand picture of things. And that is that Michigan has a bunch of seniors on this roster who aren't going to be around.
4: Well, and I who will not – who definitively will – cannot be around? Uh, Kamwa. Yes.
2: uh I think Terrence Williams? No, he has a COVID he year. He has a COVID year. Burnett has a... He I'm has like sure two or three yeah. years left. But Trey Jackson is out the door. I don't... And Llewellyn is out the door. Yeah, so that's three. So the core of your team and guys, in terms of guys who are playing this year is Cheddar, Terrace Reed, and maybe Terrence Williams. Maybe He, has, he, he has an option. Yeah. And then do we think Doug McDaniel is going to be back at Michigan next year after a, a
4: academic suspension? Well, so... I actually brought this up when Craig and Sue got back from the game, and it turns out they had the exact same discussion on the walk home. And I said, who on this roster would you be really disappointed if they were not back next year? And there was silence. So I guess it's kind of – I mean we can evaluate talent or evaluate players. Well, Craig eventually said, okay – I would like Terrace Reed to come back if he would voluntarily redshirt for a year and learn how to play. <laughs> well, and, and there's something to that. That's, but
2: That's the thing to me. is like I remember earlier in the year I was watching a game and Terrace Reed tried to block a shot that was well defended by Kamwa. And there was absolutely no chance that he was ever going to get to that shot before the peak. He like left his guy right. to ludicrously attempt to block a shot and gave up an offensive rebound on an easy putback, and that's happened like four or five times. He did it last night again. And it's just like,
4: you can't, you, I mean... I don't know if this is, if he's not being told you shouldn't do that, if they're not going over film or <sighs> learning how to like assess those things, but it just feels like he's he hasn't gotten better in very many ways, if at all, and has he gotten worse? Like, I It feels a little bit like... A lot of the guys – a poorer version of a lot of the guys in the Amaker era where they come in you're like, okay, this guy might be a player. And then you wake up two years later and you're like, he's the same player. I think that we got a little um, – we lost track of how long it takes to develop bigs
2: because – I don't think that's the case because he's like – he has so much raw talent. Yes. And he displays it on a regular basis. And then it's just like you have that guy. You have two major contributors from the number one and number three defeat defensive efficiency teams last year, and you are 189th in defense. And after this game, Juwan Howard is like, maybe I'll play the walk-ons. I know they care. It's Juwan Howard's, like, job to make his team care. Of course. And, it's and like, ever since the, the Sanderson
4: blow-up, this whole team is checked out. Well, there's also been a lot of, like, weird things that have also happened. Like, Martelli was coach for a day, and then, like— You have the weird suspension of home versus road games, and then you have, like, Juwan gets ejected from a game because he's arguing with an official because he's not a coach, but he's sitting on the bench, and then he's an assistant coach, and then he's the head coach, and so you don't, for parts of a month or two, you don't really know what anyone's jobs are. And, like, these are things that, you know, the funny part is, is, you know, this was going on in the fall. When we were watching the football team and you're like, you want to know who's in charge and what the culture is like and everything down at Schembechler, like it's clear. And then you walk over to Chrysler and it's like, well, who is doing what and what is going on? And, And I'm not saying that no one knows, but it's hard to figure out when you're watching.
3: I mean, football finds out that Jim Harbaugh can't coach on the plane to Penn State. And
2: they go and beat a top ten team on the road. Well, I mean, at some point it's, you're like you're talking about an undefeated football team versus a seven and fourteen no, basketball team,
4: right? But this stuff was going on like in the Bahamas before they even had played that many games. Yeah, and yeah. and that's the part where you're like, well, who is in charge and well, they, what what they, are they doing? They and, lose to Long
2: Beach State after looking pretty good the first few. Yeah,
4: games. I mean, we're like. Maybe this team could be watchable for the first couple games, and then they give up 90-something points to Long Beach State. They get run by McNeese State. They have lost to Minnesota, Penn State, and Rutgers at home. I mean, these are games that, like, even not the best B-line teams or even the amateur teams would generally win those games. And Or if they
2: had one of those losses, which B-line did have, it would clearly be a one-off, and would get his guys back, and, you know. I w- I'm writing up, like, the stuff that came before for the book, and I've, I I reached the part where, you know, the horror happens, uh-huh. and then the Oregon game happens. Uh-huh. And that team got got off the mat, yeah. you know? And, and they were undefeated until the Wisconsin game right before. Which didn't matter that year, by the way. Right, so they were resting Henny, and they yeah. played Ryan Mallett. And it's because those guys loved Lloyd Carr. I remember I was talking to some guy um, who was a walk-on on one of the teams, and who, this
4: is, like, after... Who may feature in the fourth segment.
2: Was it Matt Wildy? No, I don't even know his name.
4: <laughs> You're just trying to get your extra guys in. Um, I, I don't even know his
2: name, but th- he's like, we would, r- we would run through a wall for, for Lloyd Carr. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't seem like anybody's willing to run through anything, Juwan Howard. So, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I can't see any rationale for bringing Howard back next
4: year. Well, he's got two years on his contract. So, he's a cheap buyout. And... Craig seems to think for sure that he'll be back. Well, I now mean, that's that's, that's a, it could be just Craig's world, but
2: I mean that's the thing we haven't actually seen Ward Manual take an action to get rid of any coach at any point, point. and it seems like his raison d'être is to not do things. <laughs> like, can you name a thing that Ward Manual did? We, we we said we wouldn't do this, Brian.
3: Well, no, but when yeah, that saying, was our other me key top five, and we decided to yeah, not do or, it. But
2: it, it, it's worth mentioning that he hired. Joan howard mm-hmm. and he might not get rid of him because but it's impossible to see this getting better next year because i i mean you're probably losing doug mcdaniel to the portal and then your pieces are but like is that
4: even a bad thing i mean that's the thing it's, it's a like, very
2: bad thing because he's he's had a huge increase in offensive efficiency this year and when,
3: he's is there a 20 point better team
2: when he's on the, when he's out there and,
3: it's
4: and not just home resulted roads. in it's
2: like nothing well but He's the best player on the team. Okay, and he's a true sophomore, so he's probably going to get better next year. So if I mean, you have to think about the context too. It's like, yeah, he's dispirited and he's not going to class and or whatever. It yeah, was.
4: but I'm talking about like I'm not convinced he's a great point guard. Like, does he pass the ball? Does he move it? Like, does I'm he not get guys he's shots?
3: transferring either? Because I I feel like the whole suspension thing was a deal. I've never heard of something where you're only suspended on the, on road games. Well, He probably, in
2: past programs, would have just been plain suspended. Well, he's clearly having some sort of academic probation thing, and they right. want to keep him like engaged. Yeah, So they're not completely suspending him, but they're not allowing him to travel because he needed his work. Whatever it something. is, I feel like in the modern context of college basketball, someone's going to take a shot and be like, hey, would you like to come here? And we don't care if you go to class and we'll give you some money. Like, <laughs> I just i I would be surprised if he's on this roster next year.
4: It, it I think it starts at the top, and I think that you have to make the decision about Jawan. I think that when if if they do cut ties with him in that regard, then I don't know who sticks around, but well, I, so I mean, don't know see, that it really matters. How how does this
2: team get to a point where you're not just firing Juwan next year? What do you mean? Like how does this roster improve enough? Oh, like if they keep him, because you got to make the turn. Well, that's what next I year. think.
4: That's what I think is just like
2: if you're you're not going to make the tournament next year, if you see there's like basically no hope of that, then why not just start the new era now? Because he's going to be I mean,
4: well, that's why there's an argument for, you know, who should be playing all the minutes is guys like Yo-Yo and GW because what else? I mean, I mean, what I mean, it's like taking all of your seniors in a college football team that is underperformed and playing them in your bowl game. Like, I mean, I guess to some extent if they want to, but like you got to see what you got. And is GW a player? Because if he's not, why is he here? Or Yo-Yo or any of those people. I mean, not that they even have that many players. Don't they have two open rosters or two open scholarships? Yeah. I mean, these are the kinds of things you're like, hey, you know what we could have used? Another guard. Well, All year.
2: And at some point, you know, it's year five. If Juwan Howard didn't get Caleb Love into school, that's very frustrating. But that's not on – like
4: that. at some point, you've got to adapt to the situation you're in. It's only on him if he – Tried to get him in when he should have known better.
2: Well, that's kind of what Sam said. And also, like, he had no backup plan. Like, there was... And you got two... Like, you, you still have an open roster slot if Caleb loves on the roster. Yeah. So go get somebody. Yeah. Like, and they've... They got two guards on a whole basketball roster
4: in year five. And I'm like... Well, and like when you really look at it, when you look at just the results and results-based charting is what you always say for football is like, you know, they finish ninth or eighth or ninth in the Big Ten the first year of COVID and then like obviously they don't play the tournament. Then the next year they finish first and they get a one seed because you have the Hunter freshman year with Wagner and then you have all the seniors of Livers, Livers and that, Eli, that crew. And, yeah. and, and then you go ninth, ninth, 14th in the Big Ten? I mean... In but, what sport are we just like this is okay? I mean, it's it's
3: such a weird time in basketball right now because the portal has affected basketball even more than football. Yeah, because one guy changes the entire look at your uh, look at your five, and our portal. You know, you can't complain about Kamwa. He's been a great addition to the team. He's a captain. He's been one of their best players. He's been fine. Yeah, um, and. You can't complain about Burnett. He's doing what you thought he would do, which is you know be a bricker who plays some defense. He, he
4: doesn't really play defense. It, but Does like, anyone play defense? Nobody plays defense.
3: Yeah, but I mean, who you get in the portal is who your team is nowadays, and everything else is just like, who are you developing? And I think when you come back to it, Jawan was supposed to be a developer of bigs. Yeah. That's yep. what
4: he was. And that's where the Terrace thing to me is one of the worst parts, is like, this is a guy who clearly has some upside, and... He's not really getting close to it, and he doesn't look a whole lot different than he did he, – he, he isn't fouling as much, so I guess there's that, right? Like his foul rate's down from what it was last week because you know, he'd come in for Hunter, and then they'd have to bring Hunter right back in because he'd run out, or they'd have to bring in their third guy that I – escaping my name, but – or escaping my mind, but um, it, like what you're saying, this is the one thing that he should definitely be able to do, and you're like eh, – eh. I mean, maybe he's developing Cheddar. I, I mean, to whatever that means. I,
3: it, Cheddar on a Wisconsin team makes sense. Cheddar on this team has been the, hey, you're not throwing enough effort
2: out there. I'm just going to throw this guy. No, but also get so they're annoyed. playing him at center. Yeah. Where he's, I think defensive liability doesn't even cover it. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, on, on a if he was on like the one seed team, mm-hmm. he would have been a 20 minute per game guy. Because you can throw him in there at the four. Stretch the floor. And it's gonna be fine because the you know, he's not gonna be asked to check a guy who's six inches taller than him.
4: Yeah. And it's still not gonna be great defensively. You but could pick your spots and your matchups and he can present some positives that other teams are gonna struggle with as well. But, but, on, this, I mean, but on a team like this
2: On a team like this, like this guy has like <laughs> it's 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 unbelievable. The guy has like a uh a one thirty-four O rating and you can't – I mean, he's out there for 40% of Michigan's minutes, and he's like a net negative. And because
4: of what the the position that you're asking him to, to play.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we've belabored this too long. I don't think there is a case in the world for bringing back Juwan Howard. For do you, but do you think you will? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, And I, that's
4: kind of where I'm at. So, I mean, down the stretch, it's not like I'm actively rooting <laughs> against them. But when they lose, I'm not, like, disappointed because it's – what needs to happen is – this whole thing needs to change.
2: And I, I would point out that when Ward Manuel talked about Juwan Howard, it wasn't a vote of confidence. He said, I haven't thought about that. I won't th- think about it until the end of the season, which has to be a lie. But it's the kind of lie where it's like I'm we're supporting the team while it's playing, but I'm not like – I think, yeah, he, I think he, it was not something as like – pro Juwan, as people initially
4: thought. So the one thing I worry about with that is that remember when they made the tournament two years ago and then they beat Colorado State and they look all right and then they beat Tennessee and it was sort of like this false hope of Oh, well, maybe because we actually had a bad year and we watched a bad team and then they won the two most important games of the year. And then you go into last year and you're thinking, oh, yeah, we can. And then, no, you can't. And so then it just kind of kicks it the wrong way. And the thing that I worry about a little bit is if they get hot and they upset Purdue or they get beat Michigan State and then they get in the turn- Big Ten tournament, win a game or two. Then all of a sudden you're <laughs> like talking yourself into, oh, they've – but they started winning at the end. No, none of that. This no. is done.
2: Well, and – the other thing about last year is that last year we were like, oh, well, they're like 340th in Ken Palm's luck metric because uh-huh. they just keep losing no. games at the end. And I'm like, that could have been a one-off fluky thing and Michigan could bounce back. The sh-. No,
4: no, it's it not, not. This is not, not flu- luck. This is not luck it anymore. Is not luck. It is not luck. It is not luck. There is a reason why There's these reason, things happen. Yeah. yeah. All I, right.
2: That's that's enough.
4: All that's right. it. We've
2: We've talked enough. Now we're going to do our stupid segment.
5: Jake Butt here guys, live down from the National Championship Convention Center down in Houston. And we got some big time news for you guys, Michigan faithful. We need your help to keep our team. Last year, Champion Circle launched the One More Year Fund to support key players coming back, like Blake Corum, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Sinner, who elected to return to Michigan for one more year. Now we're launching the Those Who Stay NIL campaign. Our rivals are coming after many of our key players, trying to induce them to leave Michigan. It's time for the Michigan family to show our players how much we appreciate them and want them back in the maize and blue to keep the momentum going head over to those who stay U again that is those who stay to support go blue
2: it can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of
0: load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the
6: roughest conditions. Thousands of products, no problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you
2: think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for return last season. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details.
3: Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis micro-business for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet
2: and gray. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Where
1: are the
2: boys with the motion nice car a ceo and almost
4: just as smart as me where are the boys have financial security a doctor a model a man of possibilities expectations are too high and you'll never find a guy like that that's driving you mad honey say That is just a waste of time
1: A all
2: right, we well, ran out of ideas. So we're just gonna name some guys. This is good content that you guys should give us money for. <laughs> <laughs> they already gave us money, that's the nice part about all these well, podcasts. They, they don't give us any money. The advertisers give us money. This is a free thing, and we're gonna prove why right now. Seth, your number five guy, we're gonna name Avery Horn. Oh, Ooh. that guy <laughs> was the guy. He was the he was Mike Hart, but fast. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> you mean like every Michigan running back? No, As, he, was no, the guy he was the guy you said it about
2: Fred Jackson. Literally said was Mike Hart, but fast.
3: Right.
4: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah that that was. Uh, did they,
3: I don't remember how he really ended up – I got up, he got to play a couple times. Yeah. And I think he wore – He like the 20 s- carries or something. Yeah, and there's a great number of uh, – he wore number six. And then there was a great photo of him sitting with like another guy wearing number six. And it's like, hey, where the number six is? And it's, it's sitting <laughs> sitting with the
2: fans. And it was like – uh, and everyone's like – That's okay. not even interesting unless there's another number six next to them because then that's the – you know. I th- six six six, but two sixes is boring. It's true, it's
4: true. All well, right. I Dave, on the if you're other number six. five. Perry Dorstein. Oh. Yeah, offensive
2: lineman who
3: No, was... he
4: wasn't he DL that switched to OL in I don't he, think
3: no. He was always offensive He was always
4: on. OL. Yeah. But he was in he was on that O eight line that was just
3: Well, he was injured that year too. <laughs> yeah. He was like he was the guy who was like fine and would have been like the fifth best lineman on any Harbaugh team. Like, well, no, maybe no, maybe, no, maybe not any hard, any recent hard team that he was no. been.
4: that was Schilling, yeah, Schilling. Steve Schilling was Schilling. the guy All that right, was yeah. like, and he was right tackle, and you're like, one of your best linemen is playing right tackle. It's kind of scary. Right.
2: Yeah, my number five is David Underwood. Ooh, that's that's a he's a more he's more of a namesome guy though.
3: He
4: got Mike Harted.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
4: He got a concussion against Notre Dame in the '04 game. Well,
2: and he was just like not very good. And well, he then was heart came in, <laughs> and it was like, oh. Yeah, this guy's like San Diego State was uh, the heart breakout game. Yeah. So Underwood's in Texas as a high school coach of like a pretty
3: big team and he's yeah. like pretty involved in all of Michigan's recruiting down there. Okay. And he like yeah, he's he's very active in like this group of old guys well, who like he, he's he's one of the dudes. All right. He's one of our guys. Underwood, that? he I was umpiring uh softball uh-huh. when I was in college. And Underwood was the captain of the players team. Uh-huh. So he's the one who had to come and like, give me all their M cards so we could check yeah. them all in. And he forgot his M card one time. And so they all made him run back to his house, which was like, on the other side of Elbel. And everyone starts watching him run and run and run, and it's taking him forever. <laughs> and we're like, oh, God, this guy's replacing Chris Perry, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> all
4: That's right. actually a funny story.
3: Seth,
2: you're number four. Pierre Rembert.
3: He's
4: on my list. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was another guy. Or is your list just all running backs? No, like, <laughs> I
3: started that way, and then I I went in different directions. I was trying to take this in a lot of different directions. I could have done like all
2: French names. I don't. I don't, could have been, I don't like, remember all... anything about Rembert. He was from Wisconsin. Yeah, he, he was,
3: played a little fullback. We are we are definitely making
2: some guys. He right was a
3: now. four. He was a four star, and he was going to be like in the line. He's another guy who just got like replaced by Hart. 'Cause he was Yeah. He was
4: in that like with um with Jackson. Jackson and, and... then following B J Askew and yeah. uh, I thought
2: you were gonna go with Pierre Woods for a second there, who's another guy. He's more of a
3: dude. Yeah.
2: Well but like so he's his, the he's he the guy got, that he played in like, the NFL. He got in trouble and then his his senior year, like Lloyd just refused to play him.
4: Isn't he the guy that supposedly nailed like, in...
2: our ass out, I think against Iowa or something? 'Cause they had yeah. an injury and he just played like a monster.
4: I wasn't he the guy that like supposedly injured uh, Matt Gutierrez really? and then Chad Henney had to start. Like, because Chad Henney I, started as a true freshman. And I knew. was Supposed to be. Yeah, the guy. I remember that. I thought I Woods r- was the guy that that hit possible. Gutierrez when he shouldn't have or something. I thought it was Rummenschek who did that. There's another name. That we can there we go. <laughs> I thought Rummenschek <laughs> wasn't on that team. All right. But anyway, Dave, you're number four. Number four, Andrew David, the punter guy. No the kicker, kicker, the kicker. that from Ray Harbaugh's Hulse first recruited. class. When well, 15, Brady Hoke recruited play. him. He stayed in the class. He never really played, but he, he got on the team. He in was like 2015. one of the, like
3: three guys that stayed in the 2015 class, yeah. like him, Tyree Cannell, and Grant Newsom,
4: and everybody Brian else, Cole. Brian Cole. Oh God, there's another. <laughs> one.
3: See, see how we can get
4: them
2: in. <laughs>
3: yeah, we're naming all. John guys. Runyon Jr. is also in that <laughs> class. Yeah. Who
4: can't, doesn't count because he's not a guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's an NFL. Ooh, player. Lizio. That's hope.: Yeah. Oh.
2: All right, my number four is Martell Webb. Oh yeah. Oh, the secret weapon. Yeah. Through Webpen. Secret weapon, very good. Uh, Rich Rodriguez's gets secret weapon. Yeah. Did some stuff. He was a good blocker. Kind of. He was a good blocker. All right, jeez. Look at he this was, guy. He, I, uh, wasn't
3: I, I, excuse me. You have argued with people about the 2010 offense just as much as I have.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he it was interesting because, like, Rich Rod didn't really use tight ends.
2: He did at Michigan, yeah.
4: Well, he's one Well, is he, he saw Coger and Koger. he was like, oh, I we the, do this. Who, who just got a job at the Falcons, by the way. What is his Twitter handle?
2: Coger, uh, not Kroger.
3: Yes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're really naming some guys. You're
2: number three,
3: Seth. <laughs> My number three is another personal story. Dwayne Patman. Oh, okay. man. Now this
4: is going back. He's, he's like but a, he was a player. He, he was, was a safety, safety for, when we
3: were in, we were he in college. Pl- he yeah. started in the... In the Rose Bowl, the Washington. So State Rose Bowl. I had. So my claim to fame here is I had a class with Tom Brady and Dwayne Patman.
4: And Dwayne Patman.
3: Yeah, and I found out Tom Brady was in the class the last day of class when he came in and turned it into story. It was a creative writing class that a lot of players take because you don't really go to class; you just write and then switch oh, yeah. and then you trade whatever you wrote with uh, with, with the other players. So that you edit each other's other stuff or whatever, right? Yeah. So Patman actually like ended how up said in players, my class. Players, not people in class. <laughs> yeah, were, half of them were athletes, <laughs> but like. Patman ends up in my like my table where we like I had to like trade stuff that I wrote and I got to read what he wrote and like edit it and write it back, and I was not expecting Patman. I wrote a thing about football because you know I'm Seth, and it was like create it was like a, you know a stupid story about a football player who uh-huh. has like magic powers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he and so he had that's notes. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> that's like you're like simping for Dwayne Patman. <laughs> It was
3: it was really embarrassing. Like he, I was not expecting him to read the thing. He
2: was like, "Ah, oh, you got this all wrong. You have this very you're wrong. Complete yuts." Yeah, Dave, you're number three. James Rogers. Oh my god, that's not fair. That's not a good one. That's a bad one. <laughs> I
4: mean, he was I mean, a wide receiver who played corner. So he was
2: a running back, and then he played. Yeah, he was. He's probably the worst corner I've ever seen play. at Because he's not a corner. Yeah. He's a wide receiver. And yeah, he was. He was completely. It was not his
4: fault. That's the one no, where he, he was, was like spinning the wrong way. He was and a, facing. He, the he wrong was a direction camp. Penn find. State.
2: So yeah. like he was a camp offer. And he was he had like good straight line speed. Yeah, that was it. Couldn't di- change direction. It's either him or Johnny Sears and Chris Richards. That's like up there. My number three is Quentin Washington. Oh yeah. Defense okay. alignment. Quash out of yeah. I believe South Carolina, who had one of the more inexplicable careers I've ever scene at Michigan where it looked like he was our best defensive lineman. Uh huh. I was like, this guy's probably gonna play a lot. And then he didn't play at all. And, and the ja- defensive line was terrible. And Jabril Black is playing nose tackle instead of him.
3: Right. Well, as, as like a was he playing
4: line. nose tackle or was he playing outside?
3: Well he was a tackle and we didn't yeah. have any
4: tackle so yeah. wherever you put him and, like it was his a
3: whole tack- his yeah. whole deal was completely weird. Well, he was a Rich Rodriguez guard
2: when he was recruited, wasn't he? Um uh, maybe. Yeah. But you know, yeah, I was doing the UFRs he- and I thought he was, you know, pretty solid. He and, then, and Will
4: Campbell switched spots.
2: And then he was, like, on the field a
4: bit. He played, like, one year, I think.
2: No, he no, he he played the second year. Then the second year, he's, like, on the field, and it's like it's like, uh, Trent A. Jones, mm-hmm. where I'm grading him out, like, this guy's pretty good. And then they don't play him, and I'm like, what the, what is going on? And well, also, I got some furniture from Art Van when he was on the team. I knew this
4: is where this was going. <laughs>
2: and uh, he, like, loaded it into my car, and I was like... Good luck next year. <laughs> Did I you don't.
4: say? By the way, your UFR grades rule.
2: No, <laughs> I don't. I, 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 but I was like, "Oh, this Quentin Washington's was like." How many people would recognize Quentin Washington? His parents and Brian
3: Cook and me. Let me tell you something about UFR. If you're having a UFR conversation with the players' parents, they started it. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Seth, you're number two. My number two is Carter Smith, who's oh, the, the t- quarter t- com- who's the quarterback committed to our team right now you can't do that you can't that's not a, that's not you a future just looked, guy you guys just looked at me like you have
4: no idea who this is i was like
2: no i was the quarterback recruit i was like next class i thought that, i was like there was that to be sounds a like his Smith. name
4: but like i don't remember one no, playing here I, that's the whole I, I, point no no that's the whole no, point no, that you, look no, at, no, no, you hear the no, name veto. you can't
2: remember some guys who are still instead i'm
4: instead i know i'm assigning him ray vinipal okay good Jesus, I'm not doing Rayvenipol. I'm going to do Alan Gant. No, too too
3: late. You forfeited your number two. I can you forfeit? So no, you forfeited all. No,
2: it's no,
1: no, no. no,
3: It's over. It's
2: like I,
1: this one. I am the good. commissioner
2: of the gimmicky top five, and I have declared that your number two pick is now property of the Dave Ravens. The
4: all right. Davins. All right. All right,
3: Davins. <laughs> Go with Michael
2: Ferns. No,
3: he yeah, was like <laughs> Oh, Velva. man. He was
4: in that linebacking oh my God, class. Oh, so
2: many guys.
4: <laughs> the, he was in that linebacking class with uh, Winovich and the other guy. There were three of them that came in Kenny Fern. No, he was after, if, it was like the 14 class, right? Because Winovich came in in 14 with Ferns, and Ferns kind of washed out.
2: Ferns was like Furbush, where it was just like this guy. Furbush. I yeah, think that was the other guy.
4: Was it? It might have been. They had three linebackers that year. And they were all just really stiff guys. Well, one of Winovich moved end. to tight end, and then they that moved him back, sorry, and they yeah. said, Why Do you, are you glad you moved to defensive end from from tight end? And he goes, Yeah. And they said, Well, why? And he goes, Because my name is Chase, not Block. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very,
2: very right. Winovich. Right. You're, you're num- you're Jared Wangler was you're the you're last uh,
4: linebacker from that class, right. by the way. Okay, so, Wangler. Yeah. Um, my number two is Z- Zion Bab. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a very namesome dudes dude. I don't know who he is. I mean, I remember receiver.
3: him. He was a wide receiver. He was, he was
2: a track guy, right? Didn't he like transfer and then like say something like that he was really bad or something?
3: Yeah, it was it was during the the it car Cartridge Rod yeah. late transfer. Yeah, because he was late car, right? He was he was another one of those tall like leapy receivers who like today you might turn into a cornerback because he had some athleticism. wasn't and... Wasn't he a track guy? Yeah, oh. I, I don't remember him I thought he was guy. on okay. I remember one skying catch that he made, and I was like, Good catch, Greg Matthews, and it turned out to be Zion bad. <laughs> wow, he
4: made a catch? Good for him.
2: <laughs> Alright, my number two is Brandent Engelmann. Oh yeah. Safety. Oh uh, yes. So he played like he played a ton relative to most of the guys that we're naming. He was he was a starting safety for a couple of years. But he was so boring that it's just like, Oh yeah, that guy's on the team. And what was it? He had a weird number. I forget what his number was, but it was weird. Thirty seven. Oh
3: shoot, no thirty
2: one I think yeah uh, yeah, and he's the guy whose yeah. name I misspelled the most in u f r because it' brandent Yeah, it was it's brandent, yeah. Uh, well, it's engel it's e l, and actually yeah. I kept saying l e and i I realized that I just did this again, yeah. I hate to do this to you, was. but he
3: passed away, you know, what, what did he yes, <sighs> I did not know that, yeah, oh no yeah he's he was he was a very uh i don't know he he was another one of those guys who is part of that whole group with, like you know. Marlon Jackson and mm. B. Will, guys that I know from the t- those teams, and yeah, it was oh well, a while that's, ago. <laughs> that's extremely but sad. I this yeah. segment has taken a turn. Yeah, I, I hate. I when you said the name, I thought you were gonna like. You no, know, I did. I had Hard heart or something. I had no idea. Oh, he was. Yeah, he he was a much better player for us than his two
2: star ranking. Yeah, that's right. He was a two star
3: because
4: yeah. he was a safety in like the Willis Beringer. Uh, that was Ryan other, Mundy. Yeah, that was
2: the other guy. I was like, oh, maybe Willis. back Bat- But Engelman was like
3: the free safety on the 2016 where nothing yeah. <laughs> went to the safety. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Seth, you're number one. Make sure it's not a recruit. It's not. It's Dion Johnson.
2: Okay. Uh, Corner,
3: The cornerback who played for us opposite of uh, – well, he got replaced by Charles Woodson. Right, yeah. So he go, goes back. And I completely had forgotten this guy had played, even though I was super into the team when he played. And then his son, Will, turns into, like, the greatest thing ever. I was so going to say, wasn't that Will's dad? <laughs> That's Will's dad. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he was, like, the ultimate name-some-dudes dude. Yeah. And then founded the 7-on-7 the program in Detroit the, um, and has basically given us every single cornerback from Detroit you can name. That's right. Deion Johnson. So he's a, he's a dude. He needs he need to be named. Thank you, Dion.
4: Dave, your number
2: one.
4: Uh, one of my favorite Brian names, Mike Kwiatkowski. 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 Kwiatkowski, Because yeah. you loved him in UFR in 2012 because you were like, this guy kind of came from nowhere as a tight end, and he's a really good blocker. And so he I went back and started blocker. to look at the and look at that, and his name is always sort of stuck in my mind because of you.
2: Yeah, well, who was the, who was, there was an offensive lineman who had a name sort of similar to that. Kind of an eight-plagued a- career. Barishai? I like. No, I don't remember. <laughs> my number one is Jerome Jackson.
4: Oh, well, he's we already, the... We already brought him we up. We already talked about him.
2: Yeah, we could do a whole what? segment. What? He, uh,
4: he he won us that Iowa game yes, in 05. He, he yeah. Was like,
2: everybody was out, and I was like, all right, Jerome Jackson. He, go rush for 120 yards. He was like the the extra material
3: that came, like the, the Adrian Whitty, heroin lace carrot, I think you called it when we had <laughs> the Bernard, to, to get Lamar Woodley Yes, here. He was he Woodley's was, teammate. Yeah, he
2: was Woodley's, like,
4: bro. Yeah.
3: And and he was but he was a four star running back in his own and he came to an MGo blog event
2: one time he did yeah yeah,
4: yeah. who uh, who else is on your list that you can spout off I,
2: he's got that spreadsheet of everyone <laughs> no. Michigan's because ever my recruited. list is, is unfair
4: Carl Tab Mr Simpson oh, Carl Tab is good Clint Copenhaver. oh yeah, oh, yeah. we did Vina Paul and Lateral Savoy
2: oh yeah Louisiana kid who uh, you know you who had a like. had a tunnel incident oh Drew Drew Delio. that's a, uh, Drew Dileo
3: Dilio. My my favorite story just is that uh, Jordan Kovacs is doing is like giving the speech at the at the bus at the end of the year, and he goes, "I just I really want to thank Brady Hoke for or no sorry I really want to thank Rich Rodriguez it was Rich Rodriguez for recruiting like a slow, sp- short, white guy with no talent whatsoever. And look at Drew
4: Dileo now. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's good. Also funny. Yes, that's true. Had that massive catch in the 2012 Michigan State game that set up the field. Who was the defensive guy? Ronald Bell? He played DB a little bit. Wow, he was was a good wide receiver. Yeah.
2: All right, we've named all the guys we're going to name for this segment. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you didn't, we apologize. We don't apologize. Okay, we don't apologize. Get over it.
3: This is the go Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. Here's the complete list of running backs in my cart past. Max Martin, Jerome Jackson, David Underwood, Pierre Rambert, Timothy Brackett.
1: Better than us. No. no.